Our subject today is kingdom mysteries, and we'll be, we'll be talking about kingdom mysteries. Jesus said to uh, his disciples, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And so it has been given to you to know secrets that others do not know and cannot know because these things are spiritually discerned. So we don't want to act as though we are not discerning people. We don't want to live a life as, uh, like the uh, people who don't know God. There is a difference. There is a difference. It's a market difference. It's like day and night difference. So it makes no sense when we as believers walk like we are children of the night. Like we, we stumble around through life. That makes absolutely no sense at all. Yet we have some believers who choose to live like that. They don't live like that because they have to, they make a choice. And you can make a choice to stop up your ears and say, I don't hear you. Remember when we were children? Uh, I don't know if you did it in South Texas, but we sure did it in East Texas. Yeah? And we did it all over the world. We know you did it in West Texas and did it in Philadelphia and, and uh, Ohio and where, those places. But what we did, we, we would stop up our ears when somebody was saying something we didn't want to hear. We were saying, ah, because we didn't want to hear them. And uh, sometimes the Christians, I don't see you walking around with your fingers in your ears. But I do find that there are a lot of believers who just don't listen to what God has to say. They seem to think that God is just giving an opinion. You know? Even if God were to, be, were to give an opinion. He's not doing that. If God were to do it, you, you can then conclude that there are some opinions that are right. You know? But God is not giving an opinion. God is giving uh, the truth of the word to us. And so it is up to us to know uh, what God wants of us and then, then what we have as believers in Jesus Christ. This is not just some religious exercise. You know, there are some exercises that are exercises in futility. Nothing comes of it. But this is not just some religious exercise. Firstly, Jesus is our Savior. And so it, we could not call Jesus Savior if we did not need to be saved. And we were, we, we were saved by Jesus from hell, uh, from the devil, from the grave. Uh, some say from the world. Yes, that's true. From the world. But we also saved from ourselves. We're saved from ourselves. So, so one thing we know is if we have a Savior, we cannot save ourselves. That's not, we were in a, a, predict, a predicament where we could not save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We must be God-dependent. You cannot save yourself. You must live a life being God-dependent. In Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 40, uh, the scripture reads, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And... No, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and there's a connection there. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you repent and you are baptized, he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what he says. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Listen to what, what the, the, the writer says. The, the promise is not just to you. you. You should not be like the man who said to me, my son's going to hell. I said, what? 
my son's going to hell. He's, yeah, he's going to go to hell. I said, don't say that. He, was, he, he argued with me. Well, he, he didn't argue. He attacked me. We, there was no argument. And I said, look, you have faith. If you have faith for your salvation, have faith for your children. And as I prayed earlier today, uh, uh, Paul told the Philippian jailer, and it's not the only example, many examples, that if you believe on the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Then he says, you. He, he reiterates it. And your household. And so, uh, yes, <clears throat> there, if salvation is individual, and we've got some groups, uh, Christian groups, who, who've got that down. Salvation is individual, but it is also familial. Amen. Amen. The writer says this is for you. It is for your children. It, it's for those who are far off. It's for as many as the Lord our God will call. And the scripture says, verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them. With many other words, he testified, gave testimony, and encouraged them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Not save yourself, but be saved from this perverse, this crooked generation. Now, let me just say quickly here that there are just too many Christians who are conflicted. They're conflicted by this. They overthink things. I'm glad you have a mind. I, I, I'm glad that you can think well. But your, your thinking ought to be sanctified thinking. It ought to be informed by the scriptures, by the holy word of God. So yes, I am a thinker. Don't, don't be proud of being a thinker. You know, nobody ever says, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure uh, uh, ashamed and I want to apologize for being smart. No, but we always apologize for being emotional. You know, because we think very highly of, of the thought process, of mental prowess, strength. We think, we think so much of that. And that's a downfall. That is a downfall. Certainly I respect the ability to think. Certainly I want all of you to have education. But don't overthink this thing. The scripture says be saved from, not save this perverse generation, but be saved from it. He's talking about the world system. There's a wicked world system that many Christians are trying to prop up, and it's happening all over the world. It tells me this is, this is the real pandemic. All right. All right. All right. Now, let's look at the, uh, another scripture. This, I, I call the first one uh, Jesus our Savior. We cannot save ourselves. We must be God-dependent. The, the second uh, thought I want to give you is he is, Jesus, is the Savior of the body. Jesus is the Savior of the body. So, so, so you can't save yourself. Somebody saved you, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the body. So then I must, and you must, we must, look to him for salvation. And salvation is not just getting out of hell. Salvation is living an abundant life right now. Living as the lights in the world and in a world of darkness. That's what salvation is. That's what it means. It means being right with God now, doing what God wants now, so that we don't see him later on and say, I just didn't know, because he's going to say that's not accurate, unless he says something else stronger. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. We often abuse these scriptures, but I won't today, I promise. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. The husband is head in the same manner that uh, 
as Christ is head of the church. And he, Christ, is the Savior of the body. So Christ is our Savior. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so that wives be to their own husbands and everything. What do we see here? Do we see uh, female subjugation? Is that what it's about? It's absolutely not what it's about. And, uh, and everywhere I go, you find that. Now, this is what, uh, I didn't plan to say this, but, but some, some, some of our, our sisters uh, help in the female subjugation thing. It's just, it's terrible. They, they help in that. You know, it's not, it's not against God to have women uh, to be uh, free and expressive. That's not against God. God's not afraid of that. You know, we're out of touch. You know, we, we don't know our history, our Christian history. When Christianity uh, started to spread around the world, that's when women got free. Yeah, they, they were free. They were subjugated like slaves. And, and we travel to places where, where it'll make you cry. It makes me cry here too. I, we know that things will get, will, can get out of hand. We know that. But, but let, let's let God do something. The reason the scripture Paul admonishes the women to stop talking in church is because the first time they were free. You know, can you measure, imagine them calling, hey, Donnie, Donnie, what did he mean by that? Shh, y'all learn at home. Don't do that. They were free. Come on. Okay, so what is he saying? He's saying that Christ Jesus looks out and protects his, looks out for and protects his body. That's what this is, this is Paul is, the thought that Paul is conveying. He protects his body in all situations and circumstances. And he is the savior of the church which is his body. So in the same manner, in the same way, uh, a husband should be the protector of his wife who is one flesh with him. So this is what he's saying. He says, you have to look out for. We don't want to say, you can't talk, you, don't, you, don't, you can't think. We don't, you just, just be there. Be, look pretty and just be there when I get back. You know, that's not what he's saying. The emphasis is placed on how and to what measure Christ protects his own. So what the writer wants us to know is that Christ protects us. I find it very interesting that a lot of times when we're in trouble, we accuse Jesus for not doing what uh, we need. He always does what he needs. He may not do what we want. You know, and so you can always say in the marriage situation, sometimes, you know, the, the husband's not doing what the wife wants, the wife's not doing what the husband wants, and we just have to get on the same page. But we have to know what it is that Jesus wants. What does God want from us? So especially when you go through difficulties, you go through trials. We all go through trials. I mean, I am not immune to trial. I, I told you the story many years. I haven't told you in years, so I'll tell you now. Uh, it'll be fresh to most of you. <laughs> there, there was this bishop, uh, Bishop uh, Charles Harrison Mason, and uh, he was the, the first bishop, I think, of the Churches of God in Christ, a large Pentecostal denomination, mostly African-American. I think it's the large, it was the largest Pentecostal denomination in the, in the country. And uh, one day this woman came to him and said, Oh, Bishop Mason, oh, Bishop Mason, the devil is after me. And he said in his own way, he said, Well, he's after me too, daughter. You know, so, so the enemy is always trying to hurt you, always trying to destroy you. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love you, but what Jesus does, he takes that bad stuff that we just sang, he takes that bad stuff and strengthens you by it. Whoever would go into a gymnasium and find, uh, you know, 300 pounds to lift, well, well, some of us would. <laughs> At least I feel, you know, go find 300 pounds of stuff to lift and, and push. No, man, that's punishment. It reminds me of Carlos, 
Oh, Carlos used to say to me, we would go to the gym, and he'd say, all right, Pastor, let's get it, let's get it. No pain, no gain. <laughs> you know, you know what, what Jesus does, he takes the negative things that are in your life, and he gives you spiritual muscle. He gives you strength. So now you know, oh, that wasn't a tiger at all. That was a drawing. You know, that was a piece of paper. Because when you go through that, you find you start to grow in the Lord, grow in the Lord, until finally you go through trials. It's like pow, 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 pow. You know, you just go through the trial. Amen. Isn't that right? Yeah, you go through trials. I was talking to Brother Oliver there, you know, when I did that. Yeah, go, go through trials. Yeah. You, you get in the, you get, you're, you're in the ring, the devil's trying to knock you out. You don't just sit there and say, oh, Jesus, help me. No. Use what he's given to you. Give him, yeah, he's protecting you. He's protecting. He's there. He, he is, as it were, the referee. He's going to make sure he doesn't do any dirty, dirty stuff that you've never seen or known about. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Just rise up and be strong yeah. in Jesus' name. Yeah. And so you, you and I know these things, but the world does not know these things. So now my next section is, is for, for all of us Christians, those of us who are here, those of us who are around the world, those who are watching from around the world. He is the Savior of our nation. He is the Savior of the nation. Now, notice what John says in chapter 11, verses 49 through 52. He is the Savior of the nation. So if you want your, your, you to be saved, your family to be saved, you go to Jesus. You want your nation to be saved, you go to Jesus. All right? All right. I got, I'm getting some amens here. The, verse, the, the, the scripture reads, And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year. Now notice, I want you to hold on to Caiaphas being high priest. He was in charge. Said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient. Okay, I love expediency when properly used. I want to be expedient. I want to be prudent. I want to be wise when it's rightly used. But we use it, frankly, in a worldly and secular sense. I find too many believers doing that. They just reason things out, rational, let's rationalize. My wife says rationalize is often rationalize. That means lies that you have come to believe. All right? All right. Listen, this is what Caiaphas says. He was in charge. He was in charge of the Sanhedrin. He was the highest authority in the land there. He says... Uh, that is Jewish in the Jewish context. He says, it is expedient for us. You, let me read it again. You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now, no, Caiaphas said that he was a wicked man. He was a wicked man. And uh, you don't want to follow wicked people. You don't want to follow wicked people. Now, listen to what he says. Now, whether he's in the pulpit or any other pit, you don't want to follow wicked people. All right? Now, this he did not say on his own authority. So God can use a jackass. He can use a rooster. He can use a high priest. He can use a pastor who's not even living right. Maybe I should have said donkey. But you know what I'm saying. I think the jackass is a better expression for it. <laughs> so, so he used him to prophesy. So that, you know, I don't want to be like, like, like one of our, our political leaders who says, even a broken clock is right once a day. No, it's right twice a day. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you get up and you get excited, you say wrong things, right? We've all misspoken. But even a broken clock, it says right twice a day. So, so, so here, being high priest, God used his office. God was not validating Caiaphas. 
He prophesied. He said, don't you know? Don't you know anything? Don't you consider anything? Don't you know nothing at all? You know nothing at all, he said. It is expedient that one, that one should, man should die for the people. One man should die for the people. And not that the whole nation perish. That was always God's idea. That one man would die for everybody. And this man said the right thing, but he did the wrong thing. Are you with me? These are mysteries that you know. You, by your Bible, your, your Bible teaches you these things. I mean, you don't ignore it because it does not agree with some position you have somehow worked up. All of us ought to be challenged in, in these times. Doesn't matter where you stand, y'all, everybody ought to be challenged. If you're not being challenged, if you just think you got it and they're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. Everybody. All right. They tell me, one of, my, one of my granddaughters said, Pastor, when you come back from mission strip, you don't preach at all. Others say, no, when you come back, you're hard. So maybe they know nothing at all. Okay. And listen, he said, um, let me find my place. Yes. He says, uh, okay. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for that nation only, but, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. He says he's going to gather in one the children um, uh, of God who were scattered abroad. So this is what God is doing right now through Jesus. He is bringing his church together around the world. I think, I think for just a great event, for, for a great move of God. You see, the problem here in this, in this story, God, God will save a nation. I'm saying it to Americans, but I'm also saying it to every nation where I go. God will save your nation. You have to give it to him. He doesn't say he's going to save the nation from a worldly perspective. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. But this is what he does promise. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, come on, it's, it's dependent on you not on somebody that you elected. We always want to give it to somebody else. Whether it's your congressman, your mayor, it doesn't matter. It's up to you, the people of God. You have the, you have the secrets. You know the mysteries. They don't. Come on, where are we? Where are we? You know, we're going to, have, we're going to give account. That's why I'm preaching. We're going to give account. Caiaphas had more concern about carnal things than kingdom things. Here he was, God's high priest. But he had more concern about carnal things than, than spiritual things. Mm. Mm. He wasn't concerned about the kingdom. Not God's kingdom. He made a decision to protect his interests rather than the interests of God. He made a decision to protect his interests rather than the interests of God. God's plan was to save that nation, but not in a carnal or natural way. God's plan was to save Israel. Those offers that Jesus made to Israel were genuine offers. If you are willing to receive it, John the Baptist, he says, this is Elijah who was to come. If you will receive it, we'll save everybody. That's what Jesus said. Hallelujah. And so right now, I think the same plea is to the church of Jesus Christ. If you are willing to be what I called you to be, I will change things. 
around you and I'll come for you. That's what Jesus is saying. I, I really believe that's what Jesus is saying. But we may be a little bit too comfortable. They used to call that when I was a boy, being at ease in Zion. We may be a little bit too comfortable. All right, let me get to some sweet stuff. But before I get to that, let me go to this one. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is in direct a reference to Caiaphas and those who think like Caiaphas. If you're doing the work of Caiaphas, you're thinking like Caiaphas. And if you keep thinking like Caiaphas, you're going to do the same kind of work that Caiaphas did. He's a murderer. You can't, you can't justify murder. You cannot justify the crazy things that are going on in our nation and the whole world. The whole world is like it's like drunk. crazy. So, but this is what God says about the carnal thinking, natural thinking. Well, you got to use your head. Yes, but use it for God. Let it be informed by the work that God has done in your, your heart, your, your spirit. Let it be informed by that. For John says, the seed of God is in you and you cannot sin there. You can sin in every other place. Wow. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I often say, when I read this scripture, that our th God, God's thoughts are not ours, but they ought to be. Our ways are not his, but they ought to be. That's why we have to walk this out, all right? You're not angry with me? You give me just a little bit more time. Yes. Let me talk about kingdom duties. See, we now we, we know stuff that the world doesn't know. We know things that our unsaved neighbors don't know. It's amazing. We know what God wants. We hear his voice. I was talking to a young person who was talking to me about, about reading the Bible, and I said, yes, you have to read the Bible because in it you hear the voice of God. That's why when you're walking around without your Bible and, you, and some... And some you know, you hear, you hear something, you go, wow, I just heard such and such and such, you know, in, within yourself. And then you didn't, know, you didn't know it was a scripture. You know, yeah, God will do that. But, but in the word of God, you will learn to distinguish and discern the voice of God. You, you read the word of God, and then you can't discern the, uh, the, the, the voice of God. That means you're reading into the Bible, not reading out of it. You cannot tell me that you, 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 you got that, some of this stuff from God that I hear. And I go, whoa, whoa, that's not right. You know, I mean, I don't call people out by name. But you know, you're reading stuff into it. You know, you're supposed to exegete the word. You're supposed to get out of it. And if you're reading it with Holy Spirit intent, you will. Let, let, let me go on. Kingdom duties. Now, this is in Matthew chapter 22, verse 21. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render unto God the things that are God's. That's what I, that's what I, I captured, uh, subtitled this, Kingdom Duties. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And what to render means is to, is I give back. I return. I restore. Or I give, I give or, or I render as it is due. 
it means also to give up, to give back. So you could say, pay or give back what is owed to Caesar. What is owed to Caesar? Obedience, taxes, as, uh, fear, as in respect. Fear is, is owed to Caesar. Honor is owed to Caesar. It's a gift to honor. That's what Scripture says. Let's read Romans 13, 1 through 7 quickly. Okay, let's read. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. It means you, you submit to the government, governmental authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. It doesn't mean, in, the, in our context, it doesn't mean that if somebody that I support is in office, then I submit. If, some, if I don't support them, I don't submit. It doesn't mean that. And you, and you have guilty Christians, right, all, all over the place. You know, we're, we're divided in, in our political views and whatever. And uh, if, if, if it's the person I don't like, I don't want to submit. We, uh, we, we submit to big things, but we, we do not submit in everyday things so much we don't. Now, listen to what he says in verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. What he's saying is, God is saying, I want order, I want peace, and so don't cause trouble. That's what he's saying to Christians. Right? He's saying that to me. He's saying it to you. Don't cause trouble. You know, he said, uh, whoever resists uh, the authority resists the ordinance of God. So it means that if I am a troublemaker in my society, I am not serving God. But these are things we know that the world doesn't really know. If I am a troublemaker. Now, it does not mean that you cannot be uh, an agent of change. You can be that. But you have to do these things the right way. See, when Paul went, went around preaching and preaching and casting out demons and, and whatever, he got a beating sometimes. But you never hear where he pulled out his revolver. He never pulled out a sword. You never, tell me one example. Now, the Peter, oh, stop that. After Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was something different. But you never find that. You never find that, that in the scriptures. You never find them doing the things that we sometimes justify. All right? Now, but we know that these things are not justifiable. So let me hurry on. So, so whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil. Uh, do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must, therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. That word that, that you, you must be is you ought to be. Uh, it also has the, the same, the Spanish word is deber, uh, the verb deber, which means uh, ought to, you have a duty to, uh, it's owed, you know, it means to be owed. So you and I owe respect, we owe Christian conduct because God has made us that way. And, uh, and, we, and it also can mean, in another context, to be legally or morally bound. You're legally and morally bound to act better in every, uh, every avenue of life. Every, wherever God has you, you're to act right. You're not, uh, if it's on the job, you're to act right. You're, you, you've been mistreated, you still act right. 
because, because God is not giving you, making an excuse for you, oh, babe, poor baby, you're mistreated. Look, the, on, the truly only innocent man ever to live, Jesus Christ, what did, what did humanity do? Nailed him to a tree. And he had the ability to kill them all. But he didn't. He, what, did, what did he rather say? Father, forgive them. That's our captain. That's our forerunner. Come on. Anybody Christian in the house? Come on, man. We got to get this thing right. We want Jesus to come when we, we, we're not, we're not, we don't have these things right. Let's get them right. Come on, I don't care what the preacher said. No, I don't care what the preacher said. I'm going, no, that's wrong. Jesus has, has come into our hearts. I don't like the, the, the terminology comes into our life. I'm not criticizing anyone if, if, if any of you say that. But I, I like the idea he doesn't come into my life. He comes into my heart as my life. Because Jesus animates everybody on this side of the cross. So it's the life of Jesus. So then, so then Jesus now is animating you. That, that kind of reasoning is not of God. I don't care, I don't care. Well, that, that's your problem. You don't care. All right? I try not to use that, uh, you know, uh, that, term, that term when I'm doing something. I go, I don't care what it says. No, I don't, I don't have to use that. I, I say, I don't mind because I do care. All right? L let me see. Where was I? Okay. Yeah, you do it for conscience sake. All right? Verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. What does the Bible say? Render to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So what Paul is saying here is, is that we should owe no one except to love them, and that, as, that we can love not by our own human effort and strength, but we love by what Jesus has done for us, by who Jesus is in us. So then we love, and when we love, we fulfill the whole law because we're not fighting and scrapping and, and doing our own will. We are informed now by heaven itself. That's what he's saying to us. Now, and then he says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another is fulfill the law for the commandments. Listen. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. That means lie. You shall not uh, covet. And if there is any other commandment, all commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, okay. So, so, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what Paul is saying is if you have the love of God, which you do if you're a believer, you got to use it. You can't be on the side of the road and say, what's going on? Say, I, I, I'm, out of, I'm out of gas, I believe. I'm, and we go in there and say, no, man, you got a full tank. What's going on? Uh, do you take this key? Do you turn it on? Come on. That's where we are. We're, 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 oftentimes, we're, we're believers. We're, we're kind of stuck in life, right? And uh, we, don't, we, we act like, well, we're out of gas. No, you don't. You have the love of God because Jesus gave you the love of God. You have the love of God. It says, so the love of God takes care of, of adultery, takes care of murder, takes care of stealing, takes care of lying, takes care, care of coveting. And if there's any other thing, yeah. 
It takes care of it. Love of God. That's what he says. You shall love your neighbors yourself. Why does Paul say this? Because love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's what he says. Love does no harm. So then when, when God has given us the love of God, you and I have the love of God in every situation. We still have the love of God. Well, are you walking in it? It's up to you to walk in it. If you buy me some new shoes and I come in here barefooted, you know, shame on me. Right? Because I have shoes. I should walk in them. We have love like that. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I thank you so much, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God today. Thank you for what I was able to share. And that which I was not able to share, we'll do it another time. Thank you so much for the, for the mysteries of the kingdom that you've given to us, uh, a way of living, a way of understanding that the world does not know or does not have. We bless you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can you give the Lord a hand? Would you mind doing that? Amen. Amen.